Hello, this is Andrew WK, and I'm here to remind you that we're partying very hard together on the Freaky Geeks podcast. Hi, I'm Shane Smith. And I'm a pile of anxiety named Noel Cummings. <laughs> and we are Freaky Geeks Podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today, we have a great episode for you. We're going to be talking about... The West Memphis Three. Fuck yeah! Uh, this is our first in a line of newer episodes with more research, more heavy topics, and... Uh, also, it's one of our first, like, real, like, true crime forays. Yeah, like, we're being, um, I don't want to say we're being serious, but we're staying factual. Definitely. We are telling a story. Yes. And we are t- talking about specific points, specific themes, and people, and it's, it's I'm super fucking stoked. as informative mm-hmm. as it is funny. I mean, There's you know. There's a few silly accents where they probably don't belong. <laughs> you know, we... There's only so much laughter you can have when talking about boy rape. Oof. And it's I real. Mean, it was tough at times because um, I I don't know if Shane is as passionate about this topic as I am. <laughs> about? About the West Memphis Three, okay, not boy yeah, rape. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> not, not boy rape. <laughs> not boy rape. The West Memphis Three, specifically when I talk about Damien Eccles. Whew. By the way, trigger warning, everybody. Whew. Yeah, I guess big trigger warning if you're not a fan of murder or boy rape. Or Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> or Mexican or, Satanists. Or, yeah, very true. Um, I'm, I love it, though. I love that we are doing this episode. Yeah, it's great. I love that I can get this out of my system. It's happening. Um, I think we've done a really good job. I really hope you guys like it. Please give us feedback. If it just seems like we're doing the same stuff we've always done, I guess that's okay, too. Don't tell us. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying very hard right now. Speaking of trying very hard and being successful, this episode, like all episodes, <laughs> is brought to you by Black Salt Studio. Hell yeah. The tattoo studio where they try hard and they're always successful. They are 100% of the time successful. We were recently there. We did. We hung out with them on May 4th for May the 4th Be With You Day. We did. We saw um, a, a, two of our listeners, Vincent and Nisha, who both brought us presents. Oh my God. Thank you so much. Vincent brought us these awesome stickers. Uh, there are uh, window uh, stickers. Yeah. What the f- how is my decal? brain? What decal? What are those called? Yeah, they're window decals of the um, I don't coffin own a car. Freaky logo yeah come on shane shane is no they're fucking awesome though. they're so cool um immediately i saw one on uh your uh, boyfriend's truck today and Mm -hmm. it was fucking so cool yeah they look way cool and um i mean we stole some from ourselves because we are selfish but the rest (laughs) we're probably going to do something with the patreon or absolutely we're kind of hoarding all of our gifts and things and getting ready for the patreon so uh, be on the lookout for that. And then, yeah, thank you so much to anyone who came out and saw us. Also, Jay Whitaker came out and saw us from Geek Show and got tattooed. Yeah, Andy got tattooed. So thanks for the support and coming to say hi. I got tattooed uh, by Casey Roy, mm-hmm. who's just like a next level artist. Yeah, she blasted his kneecap with a beautiful pentagram. Hail motherfucking Satan on that one, and hail yeah. Casey and hail Shane for sitting through that because. Uh, you know, it looks uh, a little tough to sit through that kneecap tattoo. Just m- black, packed in right on the knee. Yeah, and I'm a big boy. I got my knee is not small, Mm-mm, so medium. it was it was a lot of it was a lot of pain, but it was great. Um, yeah. So 
It was awesome. Yeah. May the 4th was successful. Also, saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. If you haven't seen that movie, you're incorrect. Cried like a baby. Anytime daddy issues come yeah, up, yeah. Shane is a crying. Weeping. <laughs> Just fully weeping. Is that a light spoiler alert? No, everyone knows that his dad yeah, is Yeah, in because this. Kurt Russell's in yeah, it. We, we all, all know Kurt Russell's in it. it I haven't me. seen it yet, and I'm bummed about it. Not because I don't want to, but because every time I can go, that shit is so fucking sold out. Ugh. Yeah, if you want to make me cry, it's it's stuff with sad stuff with brothers or dads. Gets me every time. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be in California doing shows from May 17th until the 28th. Now, that's not to say I'm going to be doing shows every night, but I will be in L.A. doing shows and stuff. So if you're in L.A. and you want to see me perform or you just want to see me, hit me up and let me know. I'll be there rolling around and stuff. Also, I will be having a couple beach days in Huntington Beach with uh, some very, very close family friends, the Strothers. Love those people. Hell yeah. Oh, so much. Can't wait to see them. So uh, if you want to go to the beach, also hit me up. Hang out. We it's a can... public place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be great. So um, We have California listeners. There's a realness to this that they could, should come out and hang out at the beach with you. No, there totally is. A listener tried to come see me in Wyoming, but their car broke down. Typical Wyoming problems. Yeah, and they were probably <laughs> eaten alive by a rabid pack of beavers. Let us know that you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. Uh, but if they be- if they defeated those beavers in combat, they would have so many beaver tails. And we all know that the, the currency in Wyoming is moose teeth and, and beaver, beaver tails. tails. And I hear if you defeat more than 10 beavers at a time, you become the mayor. <laughs> of beaver town? <laughs> of beaver town, Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Until someone else challenges you to a battle and defeats you. Yeah, and that battle is like Old West style shootout in front of a saloon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, um, yeah, that's basically all I got going on. You got nothing going on? Nope, I am out of school and fucking up my life. I mean, the whole reason hashtag why we're... Hashtag No School Noel. Hell yeah, new hashtag. <laughs> no School Noel. This is me now. Um, the reason why we're doing this episode and what will probably be a three-parter at least is because I fell into a hole of self-fulfillment and self-research yeah. and loving Damien Eccles and learning about the West Memphis Three. And I was about to explode as a person. I couldn't hold it in and I was screaming a lot. I was screaming at the TV. I was screaming at my phone. I was screaming at Tyler. I was screaming at my coworkers. One of those things is a thing that happens just normally, though. The screaming at Tyler part. <laughs> <laughs> I was specifically screaming about about this, and he's just sitting there wide-eyed like, what? what? I pushed this on everyone around me so hard that they all started listening to it. And then I even came over here, and yeah. Erica recorded me ranting for yeah, a you chunk were of time. Screaming. I thought it was JonBenet Ramsey again. <laughs> yeah. It was rough. Don't get me started. No, please do not talk about so, her. She's gone. <laughs> Let it go. But um, you inspired me because uh, Damien is a modern practitioner of magic, yes. which uh, filters into one of my main interests currently, mm-hmm. which is my magical practice, mm-hmm. and which is the episode I'm most excited for and have been researching for yeah. literally since before we started the podcast. Don't think we haven't been listening to you. We know you all desperately want the Chaos Magic episode just as much as we want to give it to you. But in Freaky Geeks, Noel Out of School Now, we 
are going to give you the best episode ever. I have jizzed so much jizz, you guys. <laughs> like, in the name of magic. Okay, I'm, I'm going to throw a little bit of shade real quick. Oh. This is the tiniest bit of shade. <laughs> there are people we are friends with who are like, Shane smells like jizz all the fucking time. <laughs> How do you deal with it? And I'm like, I don't. It's troubling all of us. <laughs> it's real. That's real. I'm so jam-packed full of it. That's the problem. It's Even not, um, <laughs> It's not that it's on me. It's that I'm full of it's it. It's coming out of your pores. We were even at uh, May the 4th Day. I gave Vinny a hug and thanked him for the stickers. And he was like, whoa. And I was like, what? And he was like, can't believe you hugged me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I hug people. I just don't hug Shane because he's fucking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and oh smells like God. jizz constantly. I am a very, I'm a very acquired taste. Yep. Yes, that is a jizz joke. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> Who says I smell like? Anyway, we'll talk about this later. There's more than one person. Those motherfuckers. And they're listening right now, and they are laughing. Oh, my God. Why doesn't my wife tell me that I smell? She's used to it because you put it on her face so much. Okay. <laughs> That's... I mean, that is real. <laughs> um, oh, man. Okay. Well, there we go, everyone. <laughs> I smell like jizz, apparently. Wait, that, we have to talk about something isn't else. completely devastated. We can't end on jizz and then go into boy rape. We have to talk <laughs> no. about something else to bridge this time into this so uh this is a heavy episode yes we will go uh it's not as funny as me feeling really bad that my friends talk bad about me behind my back (laughs) (laughs) and that i smell uh so yeah um that is one thing to keep in mind while listening to this if we say anything super crazy i don't know this i feel like this is the episode where someone messages me offended absolutely recently offended very many people um, and Recently, so, motherfucker. That's I mean, your I whole do life. it all the Shut time, up. but I've done it to the point where people have like reached out to me on the internet and been like, "You hate fat people. You hate women. You hate men." And I'm like, "Wait, who do I hate?" I, I mean, all of those things are true, but he's trying. Yeah, I am trying. <laughs> I don't oh hate God. bad people. I, I <laughs> but everyone else, <laughs> fuck them. Yeah, no. If you're big, I just want you to be healthy. That's all. Yeah, you can be big and be healthy. Be big and healthy. That's what I'm about. Just don't be big and unhealthy. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Anyway, doesn't matter. So um, this episode's very heavy. Uh, we just try and keep it lighthearted. Um, it's tough for us because it's kind of new ground to talk about something so sensitive and real, mm-hmm. especially when, as you all know, we are horrible monsters. We mm-hmm. don't feel a lot of feels. Mm-hmm. So yes. anyway, um, yeah. That being said, should we get this going? Yeah, welcome to the darkness that is my mind. Yeah, welcome to the first of our series about the West Memphis Three, everyone. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. I knew from when I was real small that people were going to know who I was. I always had that feeling. I just never knew how they were going to learn. I kind of enjoy it because now even after I die, people are going to remember me forever. They're going to talk about me for years. People in West Memphis will tell their kids stories. It'll be like, sort of like I'm the West Memphis boogeyman. Little kids will be looking under their bed before they go to bed. Damien might be under there. What serial killer do you think you look like? Well, there's so few female serial killers. I guess I have to say Arlene Warnos. But, you know, it's not by choice. Are you sure um, that you don't have the face of a woman who's been, 
blasted by the heat and giving truckers blowjobs for 20 <laughs> straight years. You know what? I see a lot of similarities in her and I. <laughs> oh, my God. What are your similarities? Um, we both love crack and sucking dicks on the freeway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Why is sucking dicks on the freeway normal or like not normal? God damn it. Funnier than all other ways of sucking dicks. I don't know, but it is. Oh my God. Oh, there's something about the speed. Oh man. I got roadhead once while I was driving on the freeway and then later on um it was I was like we were talking about it and I was like man it's just wildly irresponsible when you think about it, it like is. it's so It is. I think that's unsafe. what's funny. It's putting everyone else's lives in danger. Yeah. Yeah. It was at night too. Can you imagine hitting a deer? Like driving because we're in Utah. Would you be safe though? Because oh no. I'd be safe. She She'd would be, be safe in trouble. Because her head's away from the window. No, she would be impaled on my penis. But the deer would hit through the glass. It would hit you. It wouldn't hit her. Yeah, but the car is doing... Th- like, we're in a car wreck. Then I would crash. We're crashing. If you just hit a deer, it's not that bad. What? Deer are huge. Yeah, but they just they don't smash your car in. It wouldn't hurt her. She would be safer. I don't that's know the, that yeah. that's real. That's real. I don't have the time to explain to, to you. Miss, wh- we have the Mythbusters this shit out. <laughs> oh, my God. The only way to do it. We need a control group. We need several women who, mm-hmm. <laughs> several loose women mm-hmm. who care very little for their own safety. <laughs> we have to scientific method our way through this. Cool. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Um, Noel, we're here. This is how we're starting it? Yeah. <laughs> this is happening. The whole thing was yeah, recorded? Yeah. We had the whole thing. <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> okay. Sure. Why not? Why Let's is it dumb? This. That was great. So uh, mm. we're here talking about the West Memphis Three. We are. Um, I recently fa- fell down a hole. I don't even know how I got to this hole initially, um, but... I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I have felt that way. Just like, how did I get inside of this hole? Yeah. I guess I have to finish it since I'm here, mm-hmm. which is kind of how I felt. Um, I was on a Monday. No, it was on a Saturday. It was last Saturday. Yeah, I started it was new watching. And, it, was, it was new and uh, redefined No School Noel. Exactly. That was so it. You were just like, what do I do with this extra time? Mm-hmm. And of course, since we have this extra time to dedicate to the podcast, you were like, oh, man, I'm already way into this. Let's mm-hmm. get into this. Yeah. And then you got me into it. Yep. And every single person I work with, I um, I found the first... So I was trying to find true crime documentaries. That's mm-hmm. where it started. I was finding true crime documentaries, and I had watched all of them. I watched Warnos. Actually, I watched the Slenderman one. And then I found one called Paradise Lost. Yes, it's an HBO documentary um, that was filmed actually during the mm-hmm. trial or trials. There mm-hmm. were two separate trials of the West Memphis Three. Mm-hmm which uh we are now going to talk about. Yeah, it was um it was groundbreaking too because this was the first time HBO had actually done a documentary series like this. Yeah. Um so it gained national attention and brought up the topic which um we're about to get into which is the West Memphis 3 which um refers to Damian Eccles, Jesse Miss Kelly and Jason Baldwin. Yeah. 
So um, let's start the story from the very beginning. For sure. Yeah, well, yeah. let's go way, way back. Let's go way, way back as to why this even happened. Because before we even talk about the murders, which if you don't know, the West Memphis Three refers to the murder case of three eight-year-old boys who allegedly were murdered in a satanic ritual sacrifice mm -hmm. by the three guys I just mentioned, Damien, Jesse, and Jason. Yes. But And you think, you, you say that out loud and you're like, that's fucking bizarre. And you have to go, how did that happen? And to get the groundwork as to how, how this even... How does that happen? Not because I'm interested in sacrificing three <laughs> boys so that I could have ultimate power, but like, let's say hypothetically I was slightly interested in mm -hmm. maybe the possibility of sacrificing three young boys to gain ultimate power. Yeah, I mean, how did you even fi figure that out? How did you know that was even an option? You're just like asking for a friend. Yeah, like, for, you know, they want to know. So... Um, you have the 1980s satanic panic. Mm -hmm. Without this, without the satanic panic, the West Memphis Three would not have happened. It just straight up wouldn't have happened. It they would have, the police maybe would have done their actual jobs, but instead they found these um, patsies, if you will. Yeah, there's a narrative they wanted to fit, like like all people, like all groups. If you're a part of a group. And you can stop and think outside the box and be like, does my group have like a narrative that it mm -hmm. wants to push onto the world? Get out of that group. You're incorrect. Yeah. Very unpopular opinion because that means a lot of you are a part of groups <laughs> that even though they're very progressive and forward thinking, they're shitty because they have a narrative. And uh, eventually, even though they do a lot of good, the time will come when the narrative will be more important than the truth. Yeah. Which is where you get this so yeah, yeah shine your luciferian light on your groups exactly. sorry everyone I'm, I'm, no I'm, really I'm promoting satanism while talking about the satanic panic well i mean modern day satanism not ritualistic the devil is real that's fake this is okay so anyway here we are um we're in the 1980s but to even figure out how we got here you have to go back to the 60s mm -hmm. so in the 60s you had the like spiritual awakening which created like a vacuum effect because people were promised this cosmic spiritual consciousness um which led into um groupthink and cults yeah yeah and it turns out that like all these people who were like peace and love and like cosmic justice they were just like dudes who didn't want to shower but wanted to have a lot of sex mm -hmm. go was... figure that uh people will say anything in order to fuck a lot of yeah, other people exactly and so when you get people um, leaving that and coming into the 70s, a weird byproduct is um, like paranormal conspiracies and like deep, um, what is that called? Superstition. Deep superstition with like yeah. um, paranormal encounters, close encounters, totally. UFOs. You, you open up people's minds and you normally think that's a really good thing. But if you open up the mind of someone who is susceptible to misinformation... Mm -hmm. And and they're basically if you open up a moron's mind, then who knows what people are just going to fucking shove in into there into a black hole. You could convince people of anything. Mm -hmm. You can convince people that bell bottoms are cool, which that they believe happened. They believed it, and that, that Paisley happened. was a fantastic pattern to wear. Yeah, these are all lies fed to you that you bought into. <laughs> so anyway, that's you have the sixties and you have the seventies, and now you have the eighties where these parents, the older generations coming out of the 60s and 70s, 
are falling back onto religion in a heavy type of way. Yeah, their spirituality failed them. Mm -hmm. Their open-mindedness failed them. They had a bad experience at an orgy once. Mm -hmm. Maybe someone got mud in their urethra. Yeah. Sex outside is dangerous. It's bad. It Uh, can be bad. A bunch of people got chlamydia, I'm pretty sure. So many people got chlamydia. Um, You know, if you you, like stop and think about it, you're like, wow, I fucked a lot of guys with mustaches. That was a mistake. Yeah. And how do you rectify those mistakes? You pray about it. Yeah, yeah. You pray. You yeah. You fall to your knees mm-hmm. and you worship at the altar yeah. of Jesus or whoever. Or rather than rather than the altar of Dick. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Worship the altar of Jesus. And, and of course, um, in West Memphis, like many southern cities, uh, churches dominate the life of the community. Uh, their buildings see apparently seemingly on every other block. Churchgoers often attend services every Sunday uh, along with every other day of the week. And beyond that, there were innumerable, innumerable special events and revivals. Mm-hmm. The person who coined the term Bible Belt said Memphis was the buckle. Mm-hmm. So here we are. Here we are. It, it, the heart the buckle of the Bible belt. And what also came in the eighties, not only is um, these parents kind of falling back on religion to be like, how do I get back to normalcy? You have this fantastic thing that we call eighties um, metal. Yeah. 80s hair metal, eighties metal. You have, you know, glam metal. Exactly. You have both glam metal, like um, poison and also bands like Metallica and Fuck Iron yeah. Maiden coming out um, in a fun way playing with the idea of um, Satan. And you have to think that they are self-aware. They know that they're doing this in response to the overly religious. Yeah, Satan is a symbol of the uh the resist the the resistor and the blasphemer mm-hmm. it's not that you're like satan i love evil kill little boys for ultimate power it's like that's Sat- what an ignorant person yeah. believes satan is the symbol of everything that uh is against uh, going with the grain and not thinking for yourself. I mean, Satan is the enemy of Islam. Satan is the enemy of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Satan is the enemy in all of these modern religions. Mm-hmm. And so when you're like, Satan is fucking cool, basically what you're saying is blasphemy is cool. Thinking for yourself is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, not wanting to be a part of a group while still maintaining that groups are important. Cause mm-hmm. obviously if a lot of you like Satan together, you're a group. Yeah. So the idea is, is like hyper self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so Satan represents those things. Mm-hmm. Even if you're just like some douchebag kid with your nails painted black and you're 17 and you live in the middle of Utah and you say you worship Satan, like some of us might have been, hey. uh, you know, and you don't really realize that's why you're into, into like the idea idea of satan Mm -hmm. or telling people that Mm -hmm. is what's happening exactly so so that's that's the groundwork you have and here's how this becomes a part of our legal system yeah and how this turns into um kind of a cultural feeling into part of the judicial system and how we were um coming at criminals so you have um I'm gonna, this is going to be me trying to summarize the start, the exact epicenter of where the satanic panic happened. And it started with um, the McMartin's preschool, which is in Southern California. Um, they were investigated for allegations of ritual satanic abuse. Um, the trial went from 87 to 90. 
It's the most expensive trial in U.S. history, and um, there were zero convictions. So this led to Law Enforcement's Guide to Satanic Cults. I guess I should say how that even happened. Um, this kid came home from preschool, and he was basically constipated. And his mom is one of these crazy um, Bible-thumping, I don't even know, Christians. <laughs> and um, she was like, oh my gosh, you have been sodomized. You have been Here raped. is yet another argument in favor of butt sex. Yeah. See, if she had let someone put it in her butt, she'd have known right away, no, that's not how that that's works. Not, it's the opposite. Do you know, this is disgusting, but let's get into it real quick. Do it. Her logic is that my son's constipated. It must be because like, you know like when you want to mash all the Play-Doh down in the bottom of the uh -huh. thing and you just like push yep. it real hard. She's like, dicks are just smashing all the poo into the back of his mm -hmm. butt mm -hmm. and it can't come out. Yeah. That is not that how is dicks false. or poop or butts work. Anal sex is basically like plunging your toilet. When you pump it hard <laughs> things enough, come out. things come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that's, uh, that's the danger there. <laughs> that is the danger. Her logic is all ass backwards. Um, but she she blames the two men that work at the preschool. One of them she had like a relationship with at some time. So there's a lot of really weird connections that are just <laughs> this woman lying. Yeah. Also, you know it's the 80s because a man works at a preschool. <laughs> exactly. Nowadays, you like a man even looks at children in, like in passing and someone's like fucking pedophile, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> Stone him to death. Yeah, yeah. So you have this um and apparently she's convincing enough they never do an investigation or like a rape kit. They just assume and they send out a newsletter to all of the parents of the children. And they're like, hey, just so you know, we're investigating this um, rape of a child. And we hear that your kid goes there. Um, we're going to interview them. If you want to just cooperate with us, bring the kids on by the station just so we can ask them a few questions. I love, I love that it's just like a newsletter. Mm hmm. Like, hey, everyone stay calm, but just so you know, we they are we out here raping people. <laughs> There's oh. a rapist in <laughs> yeah, the school. Like There's a rapist. Yeah, there is he is loose in the school, but like stay calm. But it's okay. Happy Monday. Um, so it's this is also kind of foreshadowing into the West Memphis three case because you have these literally preschoolers coming into a police station, getting interrogated by police with you know the little molesting doll like point to where he touched you yeah. did he touch you here and they're like yeah sure did he touch you here yeah sure they just want to go home and watch bob the builder they don't want to talk about this they're gonna say whatever they need to to get out of that situation i'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say even most adults don't want to talk about rape yeah no so just no like, one no one is just having a rape conversation no at they are dinner not. they're not so you know what kids aren't talking about at the kids table at thanksgiving Rape. rape they're not yeah they're so not, they're not do trying it. to no one likes that conversation yeah. so what happens from basically every single kid in this saying that yeah sure i got touched in the butt is the police are just absolutely baffled they're like how can this happen and then you got the one guy who moved to southern california from texas who's all like satan's why yeah. Satan is why this happened here. <laughs> and um, so now you have them being like, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's satanic ritual abuse is the only explanation. So they create law enforcement creates a guide to satanic cults. They interpreted graffiti 
like things as little as graffiti and what they called trash altars, which are literally just homeless people leaving their stuff around. Yeah. Um, as proof of the satanic menace overrunning their communities. And so you have, now you have actual laws and rules going into place. And then you have socially, the world is perpetuating it because then you have talk shows like Oprah even had someone on continuing this narrative that the satanic panic is real and this is how you spot for it. Yeah. So this is the tone going into what happens with the West Memphis three crazy. Also one thing to one weird thing to add, uh, Satanism only religion that can get you barred for military service. Hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I actually think that that might not be a thing anymore, but it used to be as early as 2005 to my recollection. Hell yeah. So it's crazy. Hell yeah. That, Satan, and that's, guess. It's wild that they just blame Satan on the, Oh, people rape kids. Satan. Mm-hmm. You just imagine the world's worst detective. Like what? Jimmy. They raped J- Jimmy's not even good looking. Mm-hmm. There's only one way to explain. Gotta this. be Satan. Satan. Gotta be Satan. Thank God. And by the way, we make light of this. None of those kids were raped. None of those kids were raped. So no super one just went to school and had normal times. Those two guys were just working at preschool, like living their normal lives. Mm-hmm. And then some lady starts screaming about Satan and they're just like, wait, yeah. what? Yeah. It's, what? This case both started the satanic panic and also was the definitive proof and what they used to t- reteach FBI and police enforcement how to not make kids give false confessions yeah. by leading questions. You can get a kid to say and think anything you anything. want. Anything. You can anything. get adults to say and think yeah. things you want. Yep. Scientology is real. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. People will they just think what you want. They believe in an alien overlord. Like, come the fuck on, people. They, especially when you're dealing with the law, it puts a level of prestige and power on that type of person who is really just a human like you and me, but it makes that the quote unquote, you know, like victim or perpetrator act a specific way. And that's where you get these like false confessions and also like false memories because they're feeding them such detailed questions that the kids paint the picture in their mind and regurgitate it. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. The so. show Friends is popular. <laughs> you can convince people to like anything. Oh okay, so um, should we talk about the actual murder? Should we get into yeah. the case? So All now right. we're going to be in... Um, so we're in 1993. Yep, 1993. West Memphis, Arkansas, which is basically um, Memphis itself's little brother across the Mississippi River. Okay, Little inbred brother. Little inbred brother, yeah. Um, it's got a population of around 30,000 at this time. And like I said, we're in the buckle of the Bible Belt. So... Uh, let's see, May 5th, 1993, three eight-year-old boys go out riding their bikes, Steve Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers. Now, uh, they were reported missing that night. They the went out to ride their bikes. The first person to report them missing was um, Chris Byers' stepdad, John, who made the first police report at 7 p.m. on May 5th, 1993. So So these kids are missing, so they organize a search party. But the police aren't active in it yet. The police are like, yeah, yeah, okay, we'll take note of it. Um, Totally, because kids do... You know, they're just out. Yeah, and the uh, argument the police made were, they're boys. 
they're boys. Boys are going to be boys. They're going to go run off. They don't want to get in trouble. They're not going to come back for a while. And It'll be fine. This is one of the few times where I'm like, well, yeah, that does make sense. You mm-hmm. can't just like dedicate, pol- especially in West Memphis at this time. One police officer was quoted as saying, people in Memphis shoot their guns in the air to celebrate. In West Memphis, they shoot each other. Mm-hmm. So like West Memphis has shit happening. So these cops are incompetent but they're busy yeah they're like so, we don't have time for it, he's gonna show up some kids were riding bikes they're out doing whatever um so uh they don't want to waste resources yet i mean yeah. it makes sense so the the stepdad tells the police i assume just like oh if the police see them tell them to come home yeah this is a small place that's kind of how it works so they organize a civilian search party yep family friends neighbors um they they canvas the area they go to this little creek i do you know the name of the creek? I They called it like the Devil something. Yeah, yeah. So the Devil's Hill or Ridge, we're fucking up, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so they, they canvass this area with an arm-to-arm search. Like they go through the entire area looking for the kids. Mm-hmm. They actually don't find the kids, and they call off the search at night. Yep. So uh, the next day begins, and now the police are completely involved yeah. in looking for <clears throat> these kids. Let's see. Um. The police began the search at 8 a.m. Uh, the next day. So May 6, 8 a.m., the police are out and are finally taking um, it seriously. Yeah, it was led by the Cretendon County Search and Rescue personnel. Uh, the searchers canvassed all of West Memphis, but focused primarily on Robin Hood Hills, actually, is where it was. There it is. Uh, where the boys were reported last seen. Despite a shoulder-to-shoulder, shoulder-to-shoulder search of Robin Hood Hills by a human chain, searchers found no sign of the missing boys so um now what's going to happen is uh later in the day they're Mm -hmm. going to be searching for the boys Mm -hmm. and a detective will find well a detective and then later on it will be said a parole officer yeah this is this is where it gets confusing because the police are completely incompetent so essentially what's going to happen is one of the police is going to find an article of clothing or shoe i think it's um 145 what they're now saying um juvenile parole officer steve jones found a shoe Mm -hmm. submerged in like half mud half water in like a bed of the creek so he wades out to grab the shoe and as he's wading into this creek that's like waist deep or maybe thigh deep for him, I would say like two or three feet, mm-hmm. he bumps into something on the bottom and he goes to pull it up and he finds the hogtied body of one of the boys. Yes. So here we go. I have um, the breakdown of the actual crime scene. Okay. Um, so we have three eight-year-old boys stripped naked and hogtied with their own shoelaces their right ankles tied to their right wrists behind their backs, the same with their left arms and legs. Their clothing was found in the creek, some of it twisted around sticks that had been thrust into the muddy ditch bed, so purposefully trying to yeah. hide it. The clothing was mostly turned inside out. Two pairs of the boys' underwear were never found. Chris Byers had ligature marks and on various parts of his body and mutilation of his scrotum and penis. Autopsies indicated Byers died of multiple injuries, while Moore and Branch died of multiple injuries and drowning. Police initially thought that the boys had been raped because their anuses were dilated, but is a tough sentence to say. Um, but later on, when 
um, autopsy investigation would advance and medicine would advance, they would later learn that that is just a process of the body decomposing. Yeah, you're, uh, that's, uh, that's one. Oh, next time, just if you listen, my, oof, if, a <laughs> if a family member dies and you're at their open casket and you're looking at them, know that their butthole is dilated. Yeah. That's all I've, maybe you'll laugh. Maybe you'll get a little <laughs> chuckle. You know They what? should be emptied out by then of all bodily fluids and organs. Grandma's peaceful, but also her butthole is dilated. <laughs> so good for her. Yeah. So, um. Oof. that's yeah it's, no, it's pretty it's pretty rough now pretty bad it's gnarly there were 146 specified injuries on the boys uh two of those injuries were particularly dramatic and would later become focus points for the trials Stephen branch had the left side of his face gouged and chris byers like noel said had his groin area gouged his testicles excised which means removed mm -hmm. and the skin to his penis was removed mm -hmm. it's it's rough it was and you have to think this is a small town where you know what your neighbors are doing at all times like it's so close-knit that something just a death alone will shake the community here you have um this clearly a murder of three eight-year-old boys and not only is it just a murder which is horrific but they've been hogtied they're naked they were found in a creek and it looks like some terrible things happened to their body and now you have a community panicking rightfully so panicking and going how the fuck did this happen why did it happen but most importantly who did this yeah and of course it's so horrific like when you find out someone's skin on their penis is taken, mm -hmm. you know, you're like, why would you do this? It's and like next level evil. Yeah. Because you can even justify murder sometimes, never of a child, but you can be like murder happens. But to think that they mutilated their body and like their genitals in particular is deranged. Even to people like us who are deranged can agree that that is sick and yeah, twisted. Yeah, it's especially twisted. And so when people are, this is going to fuel the satanic panic. Yes. For sure. It's just like how um, the police in Southern California with the pre school we're like how can we explain this the only explanation for something so awful is the perfect scapegoat satan yeah scapegoat pun there you go satan pun everyone that's what it was kill myself all right um okay so now uh the murders were absolutely horrific this is terrible um the police uh, found them if you ever watch the documentary paradise lost there is video of the boys bodies as yes. found in the creek and there is. is zero warning nope it goes from zero to dead hogtied boys yep. in in uh, one second yep there is Just. no warning it's the original footage it so there's also some uh sketchy shit that happens when they find the bodies because um that whoever he may be a junior junior parole officer or a deputy whoever he was he was inexperienced and he was not prepared for what he was about to find he saw the shoe and he ran to go get another officer and then he came back with that officer to grab the shoe and then stumbled upon the body and grabbed it immediately contaminating the crime scene in his defense the first part oh, I'm going to grab the shoe. He doesn't know it's evidence. He mm -hmm. thinks it's a clue to mm -hmm. find the whereabouts of the boys when 
later uh, that it will become evidence. Yeah. But as soon as he pulls the body out of the water, he begins, they, they begin destroying the crime scene essentially yeah. uh, th- with very little regard for what's going on. They're emotional. I mean, uh, it's inexperience and emotion really that it's not like they, I really don't think that they were purposely trying to sabotage the crime scene. I think that they were so overwhelmed yeah. because I'm, they knew these kids, they knew these little boys, they seen them around town and they just didn't know protocol. So they end up pulling the bodies out and laying them, which this is going to come back, they pull the bodies out and they lay them on the creek bed, like in a dry area, and then call the coroner's office to yeah. come and deal with the bodies. So you've completely disturbed and ruined the crime scene. And that's what you watch in the film is them showing the bodies pulled out and just laid there. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Um Let's get into the investigation at this point. For sure. So let's start by talking about um, a lot of their leads that panned out to absolutely nowhere. There was Before nothing. we lead up to the West Memphis yeah. Three themselves. So um, the investigation was a complete clusterfuck. It was about a month before they had decided the direction they were going to go in pursuing the West Memphis Three. Uh, which is Damien, Jason, and Kels, or Kelly. Miss Kelly, yeah. Yeah, Miss Kelly. And so um, basically, let's. I'll start by with some little-known uh, parts of the investigation. So early in the investigation, the police began to pursue leads that there was a white van stalking the neighborhood children in the <laughs> days before the murders, yeah. which is just uh, like... Red flag. Yeah, yeah. So red they had, flag. There, there had been reports of a white van stalking children. Um, two friends of the dead boys were interviewed by police uh, and they said it was a problem that we had that I didn't think anything of. Rosita Gardner, the mother of one of the boys interviewed, said at the police station, maybe if I'd called the police, this wouldn't have happened. Now, the reason I even read that quote is because literally there was a mom of a boy who was like, hey, mom, there's a white van with men in it stalking the children. And she was like, you'll be fine. And didn't report it to the police. Yeah. Who fucking does that? Worst mom award. Yeah. I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to shame any of the parents. Um indirectly and directly involved in this case because they're still alive these people are very much still here and active and i mean even by just talking about the west memphis three there's a chance that um what's his name crazy mullet dad will uh come and find us and talk to us um uh byers yeah byers, learn more john byers his stepdad might contact us i it's it just sucks that it all happened but in this situation come the fuck on lady yeah, I can't believe that. If it, she's just like, it was a problem that I ha- didn't think anything of. When you're like, <sighs> oh yeah, you know, van stock children, that's totally normal. You Jesus. know how just van stock children? Well, I mean, even if you think back to this time era, this was the this was the 80s, right? And I even remember me growing up in like the 90s, there weren't like rapists and pedophiles. There was just like creepy Mike down the street and you don't go near his house and you know and kids would like dare each other to go ring the doorbell 
you know, but your parents are like, don't go to Creepy Mike's house. You know, he's a weirdo. But yeah, they but really we, meant like he's a child molester. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you were a kid, there's every neighborhood has a molester. <laughs> but they used to just name them so like, like molester light. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is the creepy guy. Don't go near him. He'll grab you. <laughs> <laughs> parents let you hang out with him to toughen you up. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, I feel like that's the mentality you're dealing with here. So they're just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. So um, let's see. Uh, Chris' husband, he's a kid. He stated that uh, up at one point he said two weeks ago, he, Chad Bell and Chad Rogers, two other kids, were riding their bikes on, uh, and a white van was behind them. The van turned onto another street as the boys approached uh, a friend they saw the van parked it was occupied by two white males the driver was heavy set appeared to be in his late 30s brown hair was clean shaven wearing a red cap and a blue white plaid shirt the passenger appeared to be about 30 long sandy brown hair in a ponytail wearing sunglasses on top of his head these guys that's they, like the molesters they uniform. Molest. They molest. They they are out. Are they a molest. <laughs> they are molesting so much. Uh, anyway, so um, when the, they saw the van the second time, they went to a friend's house and told his mom. Uh, and again, she was just like, you know what? It, did they molest you though? Then you're good. Yeah. Did you get touched? No. The, clean your fucking room, John. No, no, no. In this up. neighborhood, we only worry about competent child molesters. <laughs> he's window shopping son give him a show (laughs) (laughs) oh god just fucking let him out there you know (laughs) you're on your bikes be faster than them but did you die (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's fucking crazy these kids are just like it's it's freddy krueger yeah they're all telling their parents like hey this is a van jam-packed with molesters. Yeah. Just fucking cruising around the neighborhood, following us on our bikes. And their parents are like, okay, but did they molest you? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, then why are you telling me? Yeah, yeah. I have seven cocktails to finish. Listen, son. Get out of my face. <laughs> yeah, listen, you're going to grow up and and more people are going to jack off from inside of a van while looking at you through a window. That's just a part of life, okay? Yeah. This is what, welcome to Memphis, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Just, okay. Oh, it's ridiculous. Man. I can't believe so many parents were cool. So, I mean, there you go. First suspect. Got molesters in the white van. Yeah. On May 6th, just before um, uh, the children, the murdered children were discovered, at the same time, a Captain Miller from the West Memphis Police Force was visiting uh, a parent's home regarding the white van. Finally, a parent had called before they even knew a kid was... Uh, the kids were dead and another kid. So that white van thing turned out to be, they couldn't find the white van. Mm-hmm. White van's gone now. Yeah. Never when, you, comes, when you murder someone, you want to take off. Never comes <laughs> back. The police can't decide if it was hearsay or kids telling rumors about a white van trying to molest them or what. Mm-hmm. Um, just at the same time on May 6th, a call comes in from a neighbor about a black van. Now, uh, Someone named Wilson Edwards says that a black van with an Illinois tag kept bugging him for a job. There was a a black male in a black van kept bugging him for a job. I guess the guy was living in his van because tornadoes had destroyed a bunch of homes is what Mm -hmm. he said. You know, 
normal south people yeah shit. i mean that's normal for the south sure fucking tornadoes just wreck up my house now i live in a van where was your van that your house was destroyed but your van survived it's a magic van okay cool so uh this guy said uh, he was acting crazy and told him he couldn't hire him. Then the guy in the van told him he was spending the night in his van uh, and that in the morning he started bugging him again and bothering him again. Then he spent the night in his van again and at this point he was going to give him a job but then the guy started acting wild and started waving a gun around. Oh, okay. And then he <laughs> left. You know, that just shows you that being persistent always pays off. Yeah, that's a weird tactic for a job <laughs> interview, though. I've never gotten to the part of the job interview where I was like, and now I'll pull out a pistol and begin to act wildly. But he almost had the job up until that point. Yeah, he almost had the deal sealed, took a risk. Mm-hmm. Not not good. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly a dice roller living on the edge. Um, okay, so those are the vans, okay? We've got molesters cruising around, jacking off in their van, looking mm-hmm. at kids. Yep. We've got a crazy guy with a gun who lives in his van. Now, that guy in particular may tie into another suspect later. Um, apparently, there was a lot on of about strangers on bicycles. I didn't read. There were a lot of interviews, and I had read them. None of them stood out to me as interesting or worth mentioning. I just want to say that the police interviewed a ton of people who were like, yeah, there's just a ton of strange dudes cruising around on bicycles in our neighborhood. Yeah. What does that um, even mean? the, The creek in which they found them was right next to a truck stop. It was like right behind yeah, a truck yeah, stop. Yeah, exactly. So you get a lot, like it's a close community, a really small, tiny community, but you, and like, it was like this creek wooded area that of course was the cool place to go hang out if you were a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had one of those when I was a kid. We had built a tree fort in, mm-hmm. in that little area. It's the coolest place to hang. And right behind it is this truck stop. And I mean, no offense to truckers, but bad things tend to happen at truck stops yeah nothing good ever happens at a truck stop so then you have these people just like walking around hanging out these outsiders infiltrating your tiny little community so they liked the police in this case said like they couldn't really find any suspects initially before you know yeah but this is really the 1980s, it's like right before it was starting to become a thing where you could keep track of people. Yeah. So people are literally just like doing whatever the fuck they want, changing their name, moving to mm-hmm. different places, stealing identities without mm-hmm. an issue. Like you could just you could just murder whoever mm-hmm. you could just jack off onto people and leave and yep. no one would ever know who you <laughs> yeah, are. You could pretty much get away with fucking it. landlines existed. If you wanted to talk to someone, you had to wait at home for them to call you like a dumbass while you watched the Flintstones and then or you whatever. Just star 69. Now they don't know who it is. I don't know if star 69 even existed back then. I don't know. We don't we don't know. It was so long ago. <laughs> the dark ages. No one can be sure. But it's like they they initially wanted to say, "Oh, we didn't really have that many suspects." Actually, but this I think... was in 93. We're keeping Oh saying yeah, it's come 80s, on. But it's still, 93. This is uh, what I meant was that it's early 90s right before we started keeping track yeah. of people. They I just think they had too many suspects. I think there were just so many people that were odd. They were just trying to find the one that stuck. It's so... Can you imagine living in a place where three kids are suspected to be raped and murdered that the cops are just like, fuck, everyone is a suspect. 
God, you know, I so think... So, like, you know, I never realized, basically everyone here looks like they're raping murder kids. Mm-hmm. Like, you mm-hmm. fucking... I think maybe we should move. Yeah. <laughs> this is a terrible <laughs> oh neighborhood. God, yeah. Just, like, when literally everybody, you just look and you're like, uh, yeah, maybe, this yeah. is terrible. I should not be in this yeah. place. Oh, my God. It's like my local 7-Eleven. <laughs> I just fucking in there buying soda, and I'm just like, yeah, everyone in here murders kids. Yeah. I am sure of it. Absolutely. It's a fact. Also, as far as the strangers on bicycles thing, uh, I would like to point out that I see strangers on bicycles in my neighborhood all the time. Every day. Every every third person that I don't know in my neighborhood is a homeless guy on a clearly stolen mountain bike in uh what like fourth gear mm-hmm. just pedaling so fast <laughs> and just so going fast the moving not fast nope almost about to fall over yeah, he, just so he, he, little momentum he, there he does not understand how that bike works <laughs> but he's clearly got bolt cutters popping out the backpack he has on <laughs> he's just high as fuck on heroin <laughs> and he thinks he's going 100 miles an hour because he's pedaling so fast but he's literally going at a crawl yeah I fucking love that guy or or full grown man uh, with like tattoos shirtless trying to look cool clearly on a children's BMX bike yep. he stole. Oh, absolutely. He's love still got guy. the pegs on it, too. Yeah. And the way he rides it is as if to say, like, I could do a backflip. You don't know. <laughs> like I he, might do it right now. Keep to- watching. OK, so there's a ton of those guys. They're suspects. Now, here's another suspect. Now, this is a weird one that you actually don't hear a lot about. Uh, James Kenny Martin did some digging, found this guy. Uh, Perhaps of all the suspect files of the West Memphis Police Department, the the evidence archives, his is the thickest. Um, James Kenny Martin, at the time 33 years old in 1993, the year of our Lord, he's he's as old as Jesus, he's a convicted child molester and petty criminal with a long record extending over the years. He volunteered his services to the West Memphis police to help them understand the mind of someone who would stalk children. You know what? He sounds like our guy. Yeah, he fancied himself in the role of Hannibal Lecter, stating himself, this is a quote, we are talking in a similar case of, well, I'm not saying it was book written or movie made, Silence of the Lamb, not Lamb, Silence of the Lamb. (laughs) I mean, if you take it, they had to go to this individual who is a sick psycho individual to get information. So he's... Uh, he literally is like, he hears about the murders and he's like, oh, what? I rape and murder kids. Mm-hmm. But he's I, reformed. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes to the police and he's like, yo, dudes, this is like what I'm all about. I love this shit. Yeah, I and, love this shit. And, and, what do I have to do to see these case photos? Yeah. And the cops are like, what the fuck? And he's like, no, no, no. I can help you understand the mind of a man who would do this. And then the police are like, okay, we guess. And then he's telling other people like, dude, I'm like Hannibal Lecter if Hannibal Lecter was a hero. But also if instead of eating people, he you, he diddle kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Hannibal Lecter is he still ate people. Ugh. And the thing about this pedophile is that yeah, yeah. he still was a he, pedophile. He's still a pedophile. <laughs> he is out there. You could put... So you know, sprinkles on it, but it's still shit. <laughs> he goes to the police and he's like, listen, I heard that these kids were raped. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I'm sort of like way into that. I'm a professional. Kid and immediately raper. the police were like, "Okay, come in here," and then they just hooked him up to a polygraph test <laughs> immediately. It's like, well, let me just comb this hairs out of place. Let me just comb. Can that you imagine back the police officer from the front desk? It's like Officer Doyle, and he goes up to the captain. He's like, "You, you wait right here," and then he goes up to the captain. He's like, "Captain." I got a guy back here who's just like molesting kids. He's like, he was supposed to talk to us about, oh, I guess molesting kids. I don't really know. And then so they're like, they just fucking arrest him and start polygraphing him. He fails two polygraph questions, specifically one of them. Do you know what was used to tie up those three boys? And do you know who killed those three boys? These are the questions he failed. Perhaps more telling than the fact Martin failed those two questions is his rationale for failing the questions was, according to notes on his polygraph sheet, in the test, in the post-test interview, the subject said he thinks shoelaces were used to tie the boys because logic tells him that the killer would use something already there. He also said he thinks the father of Steve Branch killed them boys. So he like he he's they ask him what were the boys tied up with? Or do you know what the boys were tied up with? He fails the polygraph test. And then when they're like how did you know what the boys were tied up with? He goes, "Well, um I like rape boys all the time. So if I would just I use shoelaces." To rape a boy, I would probably just use his shoelaces. L- Listen, if you are a boy and you are in Memphis listening to this, get out now. Leave Memphis or get those fun Velcro shoes. What? Oh, (laughs) so they can't tie you up with your shoelaces. Listen, get Velcro shoes, the ones that light up. Uh Okay, so we can see you at night. Get out. Do not hitchhike at a truck stop. Do not. I repeat. They will say they can give you a ride, but it's not the one you want. You know what? Not even if you're a boy. Get the fuck out of Memphis, Anyone who is conscious thinking. Yeah, if you're out there in Memphis, Memphis, get out immediately. They're coming for you. Um. One of his okay, so this is this is horrible, but I just want to demonstrate what a shitty person James Kenny Martin is. As if you needed to hate him more because he's a pedophile. One of his sons committed suicide, and then Martin was quoted as saying he had tried three times, third times the charm. Oh my god. So this guy just fucking sucks. Just the worst. One of his children actually came forward to talk about him. And speaking from his anguish, he said, I believe in full that James murdered the boys, but I have no proof he did. This is a guy the police never pursued after the fact. Mm -hmm. To this day, no one even knows where he's at. He seems like the type of guy you want to keep tabs on. Yeah. And by tabs, I mean like lock him up forever. Yeah. Fuck this guy. Anyway, so this is just... That's all I got on him. What a fucking douchebag. The, the Hannibal Lecter of molesting boys. Mm-mm. Kill him. Brutal. You know what? I I want I'm so this case, the West Memphis three cases made me kind of anti death penalty, but this guy mm This guy needs to go. Yeah, the death penalty is is hard to reconcile because eventually people are gonna make mistakes and innocent men and women will be put to death. Mm-hmm. Um actually I don't even yeah, it but 
Oh, okay. But this guy, so, <laughs> others, There are two more groups of suspects that are important for us to talk about that are never followed up on. One is Chris Morgan and Brian Holland. Mm-hmm. Now, early in the investigation, the West Memphis Police Department briefly regarded two West Memphis teenagers as suspects. Now, that was Chris and Brian, both with drug offense histories. They'd be hitting that bong, doing some meth, <laughs> whatever. A little bit of meth. <laughs> had abruptly, now they had abruptly departed for ocean. Oceanside, California, where I'll be Mart- May 17th through the 20th. No, I'm just kidding. I will be in California, but four days after the bodies were discovered. So they bailed to Oceanside. They got the fuck out of Dodge. Now, in their defense, you need no reason to leave West Memphis, especially to go to Oceanside, which is much nicer. But Morgan was presumed to be at least casually familiar with all three murdered boys. He was an ice cream truck guy. Yeah, he which, drove uh, an ice cream truck. You know, if you're... I, I just don't think that an ice cream truck driver is an appropriate job for anyone, but specifically if you're a, you know serial criminal the offender o- the only way it's okay for you to drive an ice cream truck is if you are three young children stacked on top of each other wearing an overcoat <laughs> there you go. selling ice cream That's to other children the only way that it's is okay. the only case in which it's okay to drive a truck I agree okay so um they were arrested in oceanside on may 17th which is the same day i'll be going to california this month 1993, Morgan and Holland both took polygraph exams administered by California police. Examiners reported that both men's charts indicated deception where they denied involvement with the murders. During subsequent questioning, Morgan claimed a long history of drug and alcohol use, along with blackouts and memory lapses, saying he might have killed the victims, but quickly recanted that part of the statement. Now, this is kind of going to prove how unreliable one polygraph tests are. Yes. Especially in this in the 90s. And two, um, forced confessions. These police have a technique by which they are forcing all of these people to confess. This dude literally is like, I might have killed them, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know? And then he recants. These police are questioning people in such a way that they have so many people saying what that they know what happened or that they did it. And this will become a reoccurring theme here Mm -hmm. from the West Memphis Police Department. They'll put these guys in a questioning interrogation room um, with themselves, no lawyers, no nothing, for 12 hours. And they keep honing them. They keep drilling into them. And then they start feeding them questions, which will, um, when we go into the actual case, we'll learn they did to the guys in the West Memphis 3. They'll ask them a question but in the question, they will have embedded the answer. Yeah, they'll lead you. They'll, they'll, they'll ask leading questions. Exactly. And so you'll find yourself, after 12 hours of intense police investigation, you're just doing whatever you can to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm one hour in a situation I don't want to be, like, at the DMV, and I'll do anything to get out. Exactly. I'll admit that I murdered some boys if I can get my license and leave faster. Yeah, if I could fucking go. And and that sounds crazy, right? It sounds so crazy to think that. You're like, how would you ever confess to a murder, such a horrible graphic murder? But you, if you've never been in that situation where you're in a room with the police and they're threatening you. They're saying, we can, you know, ruin your life. We can put you away forever. We're going to prove you did it even if you don't tell us. Because you're not being cooperative, that's saying that, you know, because you don't know the answers. And 
they're fucking with you. You're overwhelmed. You're tired. And also, a lot of these people aren't very smart. Again, a lot of them. From they're Memphis. not smart. They are, and we're not saying that to be cunty, even though we are as well. They, the moral behind this story, is that ignorance in both education and ignorance in following this fucked up version of Christianity is why these boys almost died on death row. Yeah. It's because of just sheer ignorance. And it's also how they got there in the first place. Not only the three, but all these other suspects that they interrogate, both the police and the suspects are all fucking ignorant and incompetent. Yeah. So, uh, California police uh, sent blood and urine samples from both Morgan and Holland to the West Memphis Police Department, but there's no indication they investigated Morgan or Holland as suspects following their arrest in California. The relevance of Morgan's recanted statement would later be debated in trial, but it was eventually barred from admission as evidence. End of Chris Morgan and Brian Holland. So They tough. walk, they're gone. We have no idea... They didn't follow through on evidence. They didn't figure anything out. It's over. They're done. Um, the last, or well, we have two more actually. So there was reports of someone they're calling the tattooed man. Now, per her, uh, basically, uh, there's an account of a mysterious hitchhiker, sometimes called the tattooed man. Uh, a Ken Govar was traveling east on I-40 when he picked up a hitchhiker on the road about 20 miles outside of Little Rock. Good way to get murdered, by mm -hmm. the way. Uh, the man said he was heading to Knoxville, Tennessee. He was described as intense and angry. Most unnerving to Govar was the large tattoo of the devil on the passenger's forearm. Hell yeah. Fucking cool. Uh, when they arrived in West Memphis at 3.30 p.m., the hitchhiker insisted on being left there, even though Govar would have been able to take him further along the way to Knoxville. He asked to be let out at a convenience store on the south side of the interstate. From the description, the store would either have uh, been directly next to the Blue Beacon or further down next to 18th Street, which are both close to the Robin Hood uh, Hills. The Blue Beacon is the truck stop exactly. right behind Robin Hood Hills. Yep. Ken Govar gave an interview to Little Rock Police, and they made a sketch of the, of the individual and the tattoo. So you could Google that and see the tattoo. Pretty cool. Hmm. Um, so that's the tattooed man. No one really knows what his deal was. Um, but he was I, just a weirdo. Yeah, so essentially this is a non-issue. I feel like he's not a suspect, but... Oh, he wasn't very nice. Firstly, maybe this Ken Govar guy is trying to fucking talk about who knows what in the in the truck, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and maybe that he's guy... like, you know, it was really nice of me to give you a ride out here. It would be uh, <laughs> really nice of you to repay me for the favor. And then this guy was just like, uh, get, can I can I get the fuck out of your fucking car? And this Ken guy's like, you know who was a real asshole? Yeah, yeah. He's like, and then and then he had a devil tattoo, and tattoos are sketchy in the '90s anyway, so they're afraid of him. I um, could just picture a tattoo of the devil in the '90s without having to look at the sketch they did. It's like some fucking Looney Tunes ass yeah, devil, yeah, yeah like, it's a cartoony. Yeah, devil. it's a cartoony devil with like it's a baby devil. You know, it's the little baby and it has the little pitchfork and a pointed tail. It's a dude in a skin tight suit that kind of looks like robot devil from Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> that would even be more hardcore. So the last one is Mr. Bojangles. Um, now that's a sighting of a black male as a possible alternate suspect 
during the beginning of the Miss Kelly trials when this was kind of brought up. Uh, Bojangles is a restaurant, not yeah, a yeah. S- racial slur. Yeah, yeah. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> okay, good. Very, good very misleading <laughs> title that they have for this suspect. They're like, Mr. Bojangles, the black guy, just stereotypical racist-ass black guy. No, 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 no. Miss Bojangles was a restaurant because we're in, remember, we're in racist-ass yeah. white bread mayonnaise Christian fucking... West Memphis. The West Memphis had an equal black to white population. That's something I've recently. But read. of course, they're, it's like yeah, yeah. Bojangles, Bojangles the restaurant might have been racist, but Mr. Bojangles as a suspect name was not. This because it's the only way they knew this guy. Yeah, they so, didn't know his name, so they were just like Bojangles, the guy at Bojangles. Yeah, according to West Memphis police officers, on the evening of May fifth, nineteen ninety three, at eight forty two p.m., workers in the Bojangles restaurant, located about a mile from the crime scene in Robin Hood Hills, reported seeing a black male who seemed mentally disoriented inside of the restaurant's ladies' room. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) Okay, so the man was bleeding and had brushed against the restroom walls. Officer Regina Meeks responded to the call taking or talking to the restaurant or taking the restaurant manager's report through the eatery's drive-through window Hmm. by then the man had left and police did not enter the restroom on that date so literally they called the police and they're like hey yeah we got like a uh this guy he's just super bleeding everywhere uh he's in the women's restroom he's just bleeding all up on the walls he kind of seems like he don't know where he is uh talk about aliens murdering young boys or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then the police were like oh we'll send someone straight down and they send this chick and she, she just pulls up to the drive-thru and is like hey uh so can i get a number two with liter- a diet coke and okay i guess uh what happened is the guy there's a bleeding Tell me about that too. And she's just sitting in the drive-thru eating a fucking French fry. She's <laughs> like, like, this this guy bled all over all, our wall. And she's like, oh, that's fucking gross. Clean that <laughs> yeah. up. He's like, what? <laughs> no. Are you going to come in? She's like, mm, I'm going to sit out here. That sounds like your problem. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and she literally ordered food. She went through the drive-thru, took the guy's police statement through the drive-thru window. The went. worst part about this is... Um, it's just it you, happened at the same exact time that police were out dealing with um the families coming to the station yeah putting in reports and families out searching at that exact moment this guy bleeding slammed into the ladies room smearing blood everywhere and not a fucking thing was done about it you know what my favorite part of this story is with mr bojangles is that Police incompetence is equal opportunity, you know? <laughs> yeah. With ladies, you can get out there and be fucking useless and terrible and awful just like we can. Yeah. You, you, you get it, ladies. You can be a <laughs> shitty cop, too. You, you, you go, have to girl. try not hard at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, have to, you ain't got to do nothing. You got to do the least amount of anything. Where, I want to see incompetent police officer Barbie. That's what I want to <laughs> see. So... Here that you know there it is there um you have these suspects who a few of them seem like they're kind of a shoe in. Yeah, uh, some of these are very legit like um 
Is anyone trying to get these vans license plate numbers? They were, uh, but like, did anyone follow through on any of this stuff? Now, here's the ridiculous part of the rest of Mr. Bojangles. The day after the victims' bodies were found, Bojangles' manager, Marty King, thinking there was a possible connection to the bloody man found in the bathroom, the fucking manager of a restaurant is doing detective work, Mm -hmm. reported the incident to police officers who then inspected the lady's room. So the woman who took his statement didn't and in this town who was clearly on duty the next day and knew about the murders didn't think to follow up on that lead before the manager of a restaurant did mm-hmm. fucking wow so uh the uh, king gave the officers a pair of sunglasses he thought the man had left behind and the detectives took some blood samples from the walls and tiles of the restroom. Police detective Bryn Ridge testified that he later lost those blood scrapings. Of course he did. A hair identified as belonging to a black male was later recovered from a sheet wrapped around one of the victims. Riddle me And that is the end of all of those leads. That is as far as those leads get. We're done with that suspect. Yes. So fucking, yeah, super cool. Officer Regina Meeks. You're nailing it, girl. Oh, my God. So um, so now you have, um, so we have the suspects, right? But none of them pan out. So all of the, yeah, yeah. These are all gone. So now the police are like, okay, what do we do? You have a community who's losing their fucking mind. Uh, we've got rumors are abound. Mm-hmm. Now, for some reason, the police are like, do you know... You know who's a reliable source for information? Children. Mm-hmm. Now we start listening to children's rumors. All the kids have rumors about what's going on. And they're talking to these kids trying to figure out. Because obviously the kids who were murdered are talking to other kids. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to figure out like who did they know? Who have they been around? And now the police are uh, investigating, listening to rumors. And now they start pulling in people they don't like they think might have something to do with murders. Mm -hmm. And finally, one of the West Memphis Three is getting involved. Damien Eccles is being uh, interrogated. Damien Eccles, um, I guess we should try to paint a picture of him. Yeah. There's a reason why Damien Eccles is being interrogated. Um, His name gets brought up by his parole parole officer who just happened to be like, hey, I know you guys are having a real hard time with solving these murders and they're a little weird, right? They're a little occulty. There's some kind of genital mutilation. I've got this kid who I have been dealing with for years and he changed his name to Damien. So get the fuck on that. Yeah. And uh, he writes, he scribbles pentagrams in all of his notebooks. Uh, I think you guys should take a look at him. Uh, these are his. He hangs around with uh, these two other kids, Jason and Jesse. Yeah. Um, feel free to look into that. Here are their names. Here's where they live. Here's where he lives. And then they start interrogating Damien, who's just this uh, pale kid with long black hair, Metallica t-shirts, black nails. Exactly. Like sort of like going through a goth phase yeah. almost like just a normal 18-year-old metal kid. Yeah, just he was 17 or 17 at the time. Painfully average metal kid. Just nothing absolutely. even too crazy about it. Nope, just stereotypical 
kid who just stumbled upon his first Metallica record. Yeah, and the police, who felt like the crime had cult overtones, just couldn't get over his interest in, like, the occult and the devil and stuff like heavy metal. And so they they interviewed Eccles on May 7th, two days after the bodies were discovered. During a polygraph examination, he denied any involvement. The polygraph examiner uh, claimed the Eccles chart indicated deception. So again, though, we're seeing these fucking polygraphs don't work. They're not admissible in court. Yeah, they, they do not use polygraphs in court. You cannot... Especially now, it is just bullshit. Yeah. So on May 9th, during a formal interview by Detective Bryn Ridge, the same guy who fucking lost the blood samples from uh, our uh, bleeding guy in Mr. Bojangles, uh, Eccles mentioned that one of the victims had wounds to the genitals. Law enforcement viewed this knowledge as incriminating, despite the fact that that fact was in the news. Mm-hmm. Front page. Yeah, so Front he read that, page. read that on the news. The police didn't even know it was in the news. He said it, and then the police forever would use that as one of the their reasons for incriminating him. Yeah. Which is insane. Uh, on Just Ju- beautiful police incompetence. On June 3rd, the police interrogated Jesse Miss Kelly Jr., despite his reported IQ of 72 and his status as a minor. Now, Miss Kelly was questioned alone. His parents were not present during the interrogation miss kelly's father thinking like trusting the police was like yeah he can go with you obviously he's done nothing but he didn't think that they would uh question or interrogate him and he didn't give them permission to do that miss kelly was questioned for roughly 12 entire hours but only the last 45 minutes of the interrogation was recorded yep Two separate segments, actually, not even one whole one that only totals 46 minutes were recorded, which is wildly insane. insane. IQ of 72. Um, Not trying to be like weird and shamey, but like that is mentally handicapped. You can't shame someone for what is a fact. It's like there's they targeted him for a reason. Yeah, he he was slower um he uh the people have low iqs it's fine there are dumb not all of us are smart that is the reality mm-hmm. of life neither of us are smart mm-hmm. but we're just also not iq of 72 yeah we we're a little tiny bit higher you know that's that's miss kelly uh he struggled you know he didn't understand things very well um and and with that comes the ability to coerce mm-hmm. to bully mm-hmm. to uh to and and just like what we were talking about earlier, if you have an open mind and you're not uh, you're not self aware, you're not smart. Horrible shit's gonna get in there. Mm-hmm. That's why open minded people need. It's not just having an open mind; it's being very self aware of mm-hmm. what you're up to. So, and you also have to think twelve hours. Twelve hours is a long ass fucking time. And he's um, young. He doesn't understand. He that does they can't not keep him forever. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have any grasp of it. He's alone. He doesn't have his parents. He doesn't have a lawyer. He's letting the police bully him. And in a way, the police they know what they're doing. They know they're taking advantage of the situation. Despite whatever they say, they'll say that they never felt like he was coerced or uncomfortable. But twelve hours of interrogation is low key like torture. They tortured a statement out of this kid because um, psychiatrists coming back and looking at the case, looking at him as a kid with an IQ of 72, that person will do 
anything to get out of that situation where they feel uncomfortable. The whole time he avoids eye contact. He has his head down. He's answering things very like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, yep. They're like, what time did it happen? Um, Did it, what, you know, can you give us a brief timeline? He's like, yeah, it happened at, uh, you know, like nine o'clock. They're like, did it, uh, I thought it was a little darker out. And then he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened at, uh, like noon around 12. And they're like at 12, weren't you in school? And then he's like, oh, okay. Uh, uh, six, it happened around. And they're like, cool. Just like, yeah, they're forcing him to answer the questions the way that they want him it's really hard it's really hard to listen back to the little tiny bit that they have recorded and think that a jury without a benefit of the doubt convicted these three kids based on that confession what's even crazier to me is that they're doing this knowingly Mm -hmm. and that the police are so blinded by their um, preconceived notions of like, oh, this kid listens to Metallica, so he fucking cuts people's dicks mm-hmm. off. That they're they are knowingly questioning him, seeing that he's not guilty, forcing him into that guilty position, and then being okay with themselves, like they're genuinely serving justice. Mm-hmm. And and so it's almost like they're as they're they're dumber in the situation like mm-hmm. you're fooling yourself by not trying to capture the real person yeah. and it, to this day they will the police involved and the commissioners involved will all still think that they got the right guys and it's it's disgusting um damien talks about how one of the first things said when the police came to the crime scene and he learned this through the trial and statements was um a detective came up and saw the bodies and was like, oh, the Eccles boy finally did it. He finally murdered someone. The police knew who they wanted to charge for these crimes before they interviewed anyone, before they had the slightest idea of what happened or what happened to the bodies. They knew who they wanted to pin this on, and it was just a matter of how to make it fit. Yeah, yeah, it's fu- it's absolutely insane. Now... Um, during that 12 hours, obviously, uh, Miss Kelly, uh, confesses, uh, he would later quickly recant. He quickly recanted his confession, citing intimidation, coercion, fatigue, veiled threats. Um, he said he was scared of the police during the confession. Now that kind of ends the investigation for the police. There is one more person that we haven't mentioned in the investigation before we're done with this episode, which will be Vicki Hutchinson. Now, Vicky was a new resident of West Memphis who would end up playing an important role in the investigation, though later she would recant her entire testimony, claiming her statements were fabricated due in part by coercion from the police. Okay, Um, on May 6, 1993, uh, before the victims were found, but later the same day, Hutchinson would take a polygraph exam by Detective Don Bray. to determine whether or not she had stolen money from her West Memphis employer. Um, her, her young son, Aaron was also present uh, and proved such a distraction that they were unable to administer the polygraph. So like, they were like, Hey, we're going to polygraph you. And then she brings her kid with her mm-hmm. classic trick. Yeah, classic. Um, Aaron was a playmate of the murdered boys. He mentioned to the detective that the boys had been killed at the playhouse 
when the bodies proved to be uh, to have been discovered near where Aaron indicated, Bray asked for Aaron for further details. Aaron claimed that he witnessed the murders committed by Satanists who spoke Spanish. Mm, yep. Oi. Yep. Ay, caramba. Satan. And so Aaron's further statements were wildly inconsistent. You know who gives the great factual evidence of a murder case as an eight-year-old. Yeah. They know. And this kid is like six, though. He's even younger. and Even and he's better. Just, he's even so more reliable. That he's like, what's exotic? What, what sort of people worship the devil? Mexicans. <laughs> Mexicans are oh the opposite God. of people who worship and the this devil. this kid would later grow to be current president of the United oh, States, Jesus. Donald J. Trump. Oh, <laughs> So um, his statements were wildly inconsistent. He was unable to identify Baldwin Eccles or Miss Kelly from police photo lineups. That's how serious they're taking this kid's stuff. What? Satan is speaking Spanish. Oh, it's we them. It's well, them. Fucking, it's one thing to have Satanists in our country, but to have Satanists from another country just coming over our border, worshiping Satan, like taking, we don't our our, <laughs> taking our jobs, wor- <laughs> taking our Satan worshiping jobs, <laughs> our good American Satan worshiping jobs. Get um, the lineup in. We need this kid yeah. to look at them pictures. So then they find out there's no playhouse at the location Aaron indicated. Oh, he made riddle, the whole thing riddle me the fuck that. A police officer leaked portions of Aaron's statements to the press on God, purpose. They idiots. said it was an accident, but on purpose, on purpose, contributing to the growing belief that the murders were part of a satanic rite. Ugh, and you know, you really, you guys, you really have to picture that this fucking town is like a black cat crosses the street and that street becomes abandoned. Everyone moves out because they're like bad luck forever. They're so superstitious. They're so fucking right wing religious. They are like just preparing every day for Jesus to come. I'm just I'm imagining the fucking um of a, a reporter, like a reporter who's like, Detective, you gotta throw me a bone on this case, man. Yeah. I gotta write about some. I need some. Give me anything about this case, man. Help me out. And the detective's like, I can't say much. And then he's like scribbling on a napkin and he's like I never was here. And he slides the napkin across to the reporter and the reporter opens the napkin up and it's just a pentagram wearing a sombrero. <laughs> <laughs> he just slides it into his shirt pocket, looks around so no one's watching and leaves. No, 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 Satan. No, 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 no. We worship the devil a lot. Oh <laughs> it's just God. fucking what? It's so I crazy. It. I love it. So they just, the, the fucking word Satan... And the word Mexican gets just <laughs> thrown just, out in the same sentence and the whole town loses its fucking mind collectively. Yeah. These Satan worshippers in ponchos with pentagrams yeah, on them. They can't. Just fucking riding burrows, fucking eating <laughs> real spicy, just mm-hmm. satanically spicy salsa. Yeah, only you, the devil oh. likes hot sauce, <laughs> yeah, you know. You know, we the devil like, does like hot sauce. <laughs> we like to dip... <laughs> Uh, our burritos in mayonnaise. <laughs> Jesus, that's so disgusting. Jesus wants you to dip it in mayonnaise <laughs> and we mix it with ketchup. Only the devil likes <laughs> hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> that I'll... was the proof. That's how they got convicted and the, this is the end of the West Memphis 3. <laughs> 
Okay, so on or about June 1st, 1993, Hutchinson agreed to police suggestions to place hidden microphones in her home during an encounter with Eccles. Okay, so she's inviting Damien Eccles, the main suspect, because of his uh, quote-unquote occult ties okay, here's as over far to her house. As Damien Eccles' occult ties go. Damien, okay, this is... I think this is why um, this case gained so much attention later on is because all of us, you and I, and then pretty much everyone listening, can we are Damien Eccles. His occult ties are he had a book about practical magic. So what was chaos magic? He had a book about Wicca where he wrote in it talking about how he he used to be devout Catholic and that's why he changed his name to Damien, Saint Damien, yeah. um, who was uh, the saint of a leper colony like. and sacrificed his life to take care of these lepers who were being shunned by society by the way they looked. That's very foreshadowing into how Damien feels w- about himself. It was on Hawaii, though. It was in Hawaii, though. I mean, they say that he was a saint, but like, really, he's he like, just wanted to go to Hawaii. You, you could go to Hawaii instead of being here in terrible America, lashing yourself every day. And yeah, he's yeah. like, sure, you that's know what? fine. I'll take some. I'll take. I'll have leprosy. Yeah, that's cool with me. The surf so- is dope. <laughs> <laughs> but them waves, though. <laughs> so that's why Damien changed his name. He what he knew about religion. Catholicism in particular, um, and he started looking into other religions just for his own educational benefit. And he fully admits that he was a dumb, poor, redneck, trailer trash piece of shit, but he loved to learn and he loved to read. Yeah. And he found his passion in learning about other religions, which to anyone other than a Christian or a Catholic is occultism. Yeah. And I think he was dumb by modern standards at the time but he he was a he he wasn't trapped in that position he he had room to grow Mm -hmm. but he was so by living in that place and not being a part of uh modern society essentially Mm -hmm. um and not having a lot of room to grow he was stunted so as an 18 year old oh man that car alarm okay so but as an 18 year old he so at this point he you watch it and you're like okay well i don't think he's a brilliant guy but then you see like he's articulate he he wants to grow he wants to learn he stands out eventually the the potential in in him as a person and so like all very religious people or i think curious people he's exploring religion in its entirety Mm -hmm. yeah he explored catholicism in a real huge way and Mm -hmm. was devout and then he was exploring all these other religions. And I went through that same phase mm-hmm. where I explored all these things. I mean, even for a time, I was like a devout Buddhist. I Like, we've all had these weird phases and things where we've explored our spirituality mm-hmm. or a lack thereof. Yeah, he's just trying to learn. And um, in particular, he was at the time studying Wicca and talked about at length how he, cause he does kind of believe that there is a God, but he's like... We all say that we're God's children, but men can't have children. I think God is a woman. And that was the fucking... Well, he says the earth is the goddess. Yeah, like the yeah, yeah. nail in the coffin, you know? Yeah, and when he starts talking about a goddess, and then that's so far away from the concept of what we view as they God. They were like, nope, you're the devil. Um, And yeah, I mean, it sucks because if he was born anywhere else, 
he would be fine. He would be a starving artist in New York City making yeah. weird sculptures. I mean, he's any of us. If you were to take my phone right now and look in my internet history, you'll see some fucked up shit that apparently could be incriminating to me. And it's just like how- this kid. <laughs> Google search. How many freeway blowjobs are too many freeway <laughs> blowjobs? The limit does not exist. <laughs> um it's just like this kid, it, I think this is why I fell down this rabbit hole and I took Shane with me and literally everyone around me because I see myself so much in Damien Eccles, this fucking weird kid who found metal when everyone else didn't and then loved learning about, I learned, I taught myself about Buddhism and Islam and Satanism, modern day Levain Satanism and Wicca and I just was like so enthralled with it to think that that could in this day and age, in the in this time period, in this part of the country, that's a death wish. Yeah, it's crazy to da- be the outsider. Damien is the key, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even for me, I had no interest in this case. Like, oh, the justice system executes or punishes people who aren't guilty constantly. Mm-hmm. That I had no interest in the West Memphis Three. I was like, okay, who cares? Mm-hmm. I am well aware. But Damien's interest in magic and in all these things that mirrored my own perspective as an outsider, I was yep. like, oh, wow, this does become very interesting very quick. Yeah. And then you start to see how incompetent the investigation was. And then you're like, okay, this is very interesting. Yeah. Um. So. So ugh. that's, that's the extent of his occultism. Yeah. His occultism is a mild, a, a like a, a mild to slightly above average interest in, uh, non-traditional religions exactly and he loved metallica and he loved metal and he was yeah he was into heavy metal yeah and heavy metal like we've said before uses satan as a mascot to represent blasphemy and the left-hand path and going against the grain and spitting in the face of authoritarianism and he was being a little self-aware punk. yeah he was a little punk i mean he was intellectual in his own way but he was at the end of the day a 17 year old punk ass like the rest of us and yeah. I mean, that's that's what killed. That's what would have killed him. And it's even crazier because back then, being a little metal ki- metalhead kid was the main popular thing. Mm-hmm. How many of us listening know what a scene kid is? Mm-hmm. That's like that was the popular thing in the early two thousands when I was coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the early early two thousands, late nineties, it was grunge kids. Mm-hmm. And now, what is it like? Weeaboos. Like, it's just like the equivalent like imagine that weird kid that has cat ears and watches lots of anime if suddenly one day people were accusing him of murder and putting him on death row yeah it's he it's would crazy. be raped so many times in yeah. prison with those cat ears. absolutely oh it's no good it's tough i hate to think about it that poor kid oh man um but yeah, yeah you just have weeb wow i just realized how un fit for prison weeaboos are they would struggle (laughs) you guys stay on the clean fucking straight and narrow path make good decisions anime kids you can't survive in there (laughs) you cannot chew you up and spit you out okay so this chick has basically got microphones attached to her body and knowing the fucking west memphis police department it's literally just gonna be like a speak and spell duct taped to her back exactly these guys are morons (laughs) i was gonna say (laughs) It was probably like Buzz Lightyear and Woody Walkie Talkies from Toys R Us just fucking taped all staticky the whole time. Just like, (laughs) just imagine a lamp with like one of the fucking walkie talkie clearly duct taped to it. Yeah. (laughs) Is that a walkie talkie duct taped? Don't mind this. We're renovating. So, um, Miss Kelly agreed to introduce Hutchison to Eccles. 
during their conversation. So she basically asks Miss Kelly to introduce her Who's to Eccles. Who's the slow one? Yeah, yeah. And they're all friends. Um, also, by the way, two... Never mind. I, I don't know what I'm saying here. So um, they're going to meet. During their conversation, Hutchison reported that Eccles made no incriminating statements. Police said the recording was inaudible, i.e. they forgot to fucking put the batteries in the recorder <laughs> yeah. or something no ridiculous. No batteries. But Hutchison claimed the recording was audible. On June 2nd, 1993, Hutchison told police that about two weeks after the murders were committed, she, Eccles, and Miss Kelly attended a Wiccan meeting in Turrell, Arkansas. Hutchison claimed that the Wiccan meeting, a drunken Eccles, openly bragged about killing the three boys. Miss Kelly was first questioned on June 3rd, 1993, a day after Hutchison's purported confession. Hutchison was unable to recall the Wiccan meeting location and did not name any of the other participants in the purported meeting. Hutchison was never charged with theft. She claimed she had implicated Eccles and Miss Kelly to avoid facing criminal charges and to obtain a reward for the discovery of the murderers. So yeah, it was like $33,000 was the reward, which was a lot of money. Did she get the reward? I fucking hope not. I don't know. In any case... She better know. She was like, oh, it's the equivalent of when you're caught as a kid doing something terrible and then literally you're like, oh, I got caught stealing um, from mom's purse and then they accuse you and you're like, well, Danny jacks off in the mayonnaise. Yeah, what about fucking him? What the fuck? And then they forget about you Mm -hmm. stealing Mm -hmm. and then they go and punish Danny and throw away all the mayonnaise in the house. Yep. So that's basically... what she did here. Yeah, that's essentially what she did here. And uh, in the Paradise Lost, um, the first um, episode, is that? No, the first documentary. It's a three-part series. You watch her in bits and pieces on trial. Yeah. Spewing this fucking bullshit, clearly fucking bullshit story, and yeah. they're oh, just eating it the fuck a up. A Wiccan meeting yeah, in Arkansas? Yeah, a Wiccan meeting? What do you Please. do? What do you fucking do in that? Now that's not real. Also, she never claimed to be a practitioner of Wicca until, anyway, it got... It's just insane. Yeah, the whole the thing satanic is panic is real. Yeah. And, and it's so ridiculous. They make the satanic panic so unfun. For me, the satanic panic is when I wake up and I think I've missed the satanic potluck everyone's putting right? together. <laughs> Apparently, these cool things are going on and no one's telling me. Uh, yeah. So um, that is the end of the investigation. And I suppose we'll leave it here till we go to the trials. And then eventually what's going to happen to our West Memphis 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. All right. You have anything to add about the investigation or anything that's going on? Um, I say, don't watch Lo- um, Paradise Lost yet. Don't wait for us to flush everything out and then watch it with yeah, a yeah. pair of clean eyes. Um. Yeah. And uh, next episode should be interesting. It's funny. This first episode is actually just more about uh, the West Memphis Police Department and how mm-hmm. inadequate they are, mm-hmm. and how willing West Memphis as a city was to sell anyone and everyone out. Exactly. And also how full of boy rapists West Memphis is. Just riddled. Also a theme of this episode. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So um, the next episode we're gonna dive real deep into what uh, into Damien and their uh their trials and also their jail time. Trials, convictions, jail time. 
Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely be talking about it. Thank you so much for listening to uh, Freaky Geeks talk about the West Memphis 3. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I read a lot for yeah, you. I, this was um, so exciting. This was an We weren't planning on doing this episode, but I, I fell down the hole and I needed to get this story out because um, Damien Eccles is still active today, right now, fighting for... Um, the rights of death row inmates, death and, row inmates. Uh, and, and other people who are just clearly mistreated. Yeah. They're and, and wrongly convicted and well, spoiler alert a little bit. Um, DNA evidence comes to play later in this case and it would have saved their lives, but it was refused because they had already been convicted. And that is a really common thing in our judicial system. And he's a big advocate for that and helping get people who are clearly innocent out of jail which is hard because that means the state has to admit that they're wrong and we know that the state does not like to do that and you will learn especially how much they hate to do it when we talk more about this yeah. case they they pass the buck around mm-hmm. it's like a hot potato of incompetence and mm-hmm. as soon as you catch that hot potato like i don't necessarily blame a, an asshole for catching that and being like oh fuck i fucked up i'm gonna lose my job mm-hmm. and throwing it to someone else and yeah. that person like oh fuck that i don't yeah. care what happens to these guys i don't want to lose my job and ruin my life yeah so it's tough someone's got to pay mm-hmm. you know and then that's that's what where we're at basically yeah so it's um Damien Eccles has taken over my life in the best way. And um, we we researched this topic heavily, watched every documentary piece, um, interviews from then, middle, and now of all three of them. And we're super excited to dig deeper into this with you guys. Yeah. Also... Um, yeah, and, and so, um, yeah, that's basically it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll have more fun stuff in the future that isn't just just chuck full of, like, brutal <laughs> content. You know, we have, uh, we're going to be reviewing sex positions yep. uh, that are ridiculous and uh, among other weird things we've got in the pipeline. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. We really appreciate you. Uh, fucking get out there treat everyone well uh, your body is your own uh, don't let anyone touch your face mm-hmm. don't don't let anyone fuck with you and don't mm-hmm. fuck with anyone else hail Satan please hail Satan <laughs> <laughs>